0: Shalom This is Emet aka Shomer Man So You know you're probably not going to be surprised But I have a new segment That I would like to introduce To the GYS The Get You Some series And the segment that I would like to introduce Will be Shabbat Gleanings Um For those of you who don't keep Shabbat Who don't even know what that means Um You will learn, like, so much stuff on Shabbat that will just blow your mind. You won't be right for six days, and then it starts all over again. So that's what happened to me. It happens all the time, and I am very, very grateful. So, yeah. So what I'm going to do right now is just kind of share some of the stuff that happened Uh, That I got to read and learn You would think after a Parsha GYS wrap up That I would have already given you enough sources Since there was probably like 20,000 hours on Parsha Naso But again, I tell you Parsha Naso is the longest Torah portion So, uh, right, We will start with the opening blessing And we will continue on with Parsha Naso Even though it's time for Parsha Beha Aloteca but we'll get to that with the help of Hashem. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher bacharbanu mikol hamim, ve'natan lanu etorato. Baruch atah No noten ha-Torah, amen, amen. So, Baruch Shemo, blessed is his name first thing I want to start with is the Haftorah portion so out of all the Haftorah portions Parshas Naso Haftorah portion is seemingly unrelated in the fact that brought down by who I'm going to call Rabbi uh, Mendel uh, Lookout Man because he's going to drop kick you And you're not even going to notice it. He's like a stealthy ninja guy. So Rabbi Mendel Kaplan is uh, one of the Chabad Rebbies. And he is uh, someone I got introduced to a long time ago. But like for some reason, I wanted to just kind of listen to one of his droshes that he had. And he was talking about Shemshon. And he was just like, Why is the birth of Shemshon the Hafter portion for Naso? Naso has eight different things that are or eight different topics that are covered. And it's like, Yes, I get it, Nazarite, it's one of them, but you know, there's priestly blessing, there's the sota, there's the the if you trespass and uh the restitution that you have to pay, the impure people that have to get kicked outside the camp, and the offerings of the twelve princes, and Hashem speaking with Moshe from the top of the ark. So, out of all of that, we're gonna go with the birth of Samson, Shemshon. I keep going between Samson and Shemshon, so I've decided I'm going to call him Shimshon. that's his name okay Shim. so with all that being said Rabbi look out man said that Shimshon was lame in both of his legs just like Bilam the the uh donkey loving prophet uh was lame in one of his legs and uh yeah so I was very, very stunned by that, because I'm thinking, if you are a if you are a person who is mighty, and who is super strong, then how in the world are you lame in both legs? And he even went so far as to say in his description of this, that Shimshon like, shuffled around, like, as he walked. So, I mean, he was just, you know, somebody get that man a walker type person. And, um, so... That's kind of crazy. So you know I had to source it out. Because I'm source man. And it is from Sota 10A. And here's the deal. As I was looking for this. I found way more than Shemshon being lame in both legs. So I'm just going to read you Sota 10A. This little snippet here. It says Rabbi Yohanan said. Shemshon judged Yisrael in the same manner as their Father in HaShemayim. First of all, I want to shout out to Chasis because the crazy, mind blowing information and insights that he shared with us on the Haftarah for Parashal Naso, he did bring this up that Shon was lame in both legs. So uh, I also blame you for this, Chasis, but I'm excited about it. So, Rukashim. Now back to Sota 10a It says that it is said Dan shall judge his people as one. Literally, it says that is Bereshit forty nine sixteen, and the one is God. So Shemshon is a judge like Hashem. Now everybody kind of gets these connotations. Well, not everybody. I learned you can't just carte blanche, blanket everything. Most people or some people when they hear judge, they think, "Oh no, fearful, this is crazy, uh run away, I've sinned and all this kind of stuff." But the other thing about a judge is they're looking out for your interest, you know, as far as it's coming from a place of neutrality. In order to be a judge, you have to know that there is a sword above you and a sword below you now obviously with hashem who is the perfect judge i mean he is the sword above and below you know kind of thing so obviously there's that but with shem being a judge we see that he is more in the sense of a defender he's like a redeemer he's a type and shadow of mashiach the son of righteousness that will rise with healing in its wings because his name means sunshine son because it's based off Shemesh and that is Shimshon. so and we know Mashiach saying that I didn't come in the world to judge it I came to actually save it and how all of that kind of works together so judge which is Shofit beivrit is a little bit more than just like I'm gonna rule against you in the court of law and sentence you to death but there's a little bit more involved but that's not where i'm trying to go in this Josh. um i do want to stick with the fact that what sota 10a just told us is that just like hashem is a judge over israel so was shem Shon. so he was associated with one of the divine names of hashem so now i'm going to eject for a second and go all the way to a lapid type insight with us knowing that there are types and shadows of Mashiach Yeshua, if Shemshon, the one who is like a Mashiach Ben Yosef, who begins the redemption because the Pilistines, which by the way are not related to Palestinians, this group of people actually haven't existed for 3,000 years. I learned that from Rabbi Lookout, man. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Anyway, uh because he was against the Philistines, it was said that he was the beginning of the redemption that would ultimately culminate with melech david completely wiping these people out so being delivered from the enemies of israel is a two-part process it takes place in stages again because brought this out in the after and you know, Shemesh, the sunrise, the redemption is like in the sunrise, which is a Shemesh. And so Shemshon is correlated with that. So now I, I submit to the listener that when we're thinking about Shemshon and how he's a Mashiach ben Yosef and he himself is connected to a divine name of Hashem, we should know that when Mashiach ben Yosef shows up on the scene like completely manifest and physical likeness of man that obviously this would be the divine one of the divine names made flesh but even more so than that mashiach is said to have a name that is higher than any other name now i also submit to you that mashiach's name is yeshua we know that And if you didn't, welcome, we've been expecting you. There was another person named Yeshua and he he was the redeemer that came after Moshe. So he was likened to the moon while Moshe was likened to the sun. And we do know that Moshe and Yeshua were connected because Yeshua never departed from the tent of Moshe. And he also took over after Moshe's death quote unquote, because they say Moshe never really died, but also that Yehoshua is the one who actually led the children of Israel into the promised land, led them into battle with victory whenever he was the leader, and caused them to be established in the land. So when you put all that together, I mean, that's just um, crazy, but his name being Yeshua, Okay, so he has that name, the Messiah, Yeshua, has that name. And so it's just like, okay, if his name is higher than any other name, how is this name used elsewhere? Because it's than any other name. So what other names could possibly be higher, right? In other words, the name of the Messiah has to be a divine name, which there is no other name like the divine name. And if we just need a source, Midrash Rabbah, I believe it's Echa, I don't have the exact coordinates, but it's in there that says Mashiach's name is called Mashiach Zidkenu, or Hashem Zidkenu, like the divine name, our righteousness. So, with all that being said, the eluding, the remez for Shem being a judge like Hashem, is that he is... Connected to the divine name and the Redeemer will also be the same way. All right, so that was a long swerve. Now let's go back to Sota 10a. It says Rabbi Yohanan also said, Shemshon was called by the name of the Holy One. I should have just read this, cause it's right there. Okay, so he wasn't just associated; he was also called by that name as it is said for Adonai Hashem Adonai Elohim is a sun and a shield footnote Tehillim 12. The sun. the word for sun is Shemesh which is the basis of Shimshon's name there, there we go okay so according to this argument his name may not be erased footnote as it is forbidden to erase the divine name the word son is not God's name but a simile back to the section the intention is that his name was typical of the name of Hakadosh Baruku as Hakadosh Baruku shields the world so Shemshon shielded Yisrael during his generation. So it kind of gave this connotation of Shemesh being the divine name of Hashem and it's what Shemshon was called by and elevated it to a status of even this name would fall under the halakha of not erasing it. But it's just saying that it's a simile because the word sun itself is not God's name, but the word Shemesh is God's name. So it's like Shemesh versus just like Shemesh, which would be sun. So if you're using it as a name as opposed to the object, then that's what we're talking about. So that's intense. Wasn't expecting that. Okay. So trying to continue on, says, here's the, the actual point of Sota 10 about Shimshon being lame in both of his legs. Rabbi Yohanan also said, Bilam was lame in one leg, as it is said, he went Shafi. Now, Shafi means a bare height, as written in Bami Bar three three. And since I am currently in front of the OG Onkelos for Bobby Bar, I went to 23 3. And the word chefi is translated to alone. It says he went off alone. So this is interesting. So, commentary The Bible's chefi is obscure. Go figure and has been translated by various scholars in widely different ways. Some feel that the description of Belaam's behavior... Okay, Sleek, I got distracted here. Some feel that the description of Belam's behavior... That it is a description of Belam's behavior. Others say that it reflects his mood, and others... Say that it is a location. Wow, that is a lot of different opinions. But that's not quite 600,000, so we still got a lot of space. Okay. The following are some examples. It denotes alone or in silence. For there was only silence with him. Rashi and Sadia compare Yeshayahu 13.2 and some other sections. And it says the Babylonian Talmud Gittin 73a it may mean stealthily like a snake that's the Ibn Ezra Ankalos reflects the former and the pseudo Yonatan the latter Neofti repeats Shefi and alone Rashbam and Khizguni mirror the Talmudic tradition in Sanhedrin 105a that Belam became lame when the Hamor crushed his foot against the wall and renders it limping, the meaning of Eov thirty three twenty one, The Septuagint's. I know, I'm acting like, I did not just read that, right? Because he apparently was not lame until he tried to curse Israel. So one of the uh, unfortunate incidents for him in his pursuit of that was a donkey crushing him, namely against a wall um, that says that this boundary shall not be crossed uh, to bring harm to the children of Israel. There's a whole thing with the the uh, mountainside breakfast between Yaakov and Levan because Balaam was a descendant of Levan, so. There was this whole thing in Par Shavayete that happened on Mount Gilead and they made this wall and said, don't cross this line and there won't be any trouble, all that kind of stuff. So because Bielan was trying to cross that, that place, he ended up becoming lame in one leg. Okay. Says, suggesting presumptuously or immediately, the Vulgate says he went away immediately and God encountered him nakmonides explains shafi as to the heights philo no they did not bring philo up in this has outside so he went outside i wonder what that means bamibar rabah 2018 states that he had been calm but now he was confused Man, that he wasn't kidding. There's a lot of definitions for this one word. Um, G. Vermez, Scripture and Tradition in Judaism, feels that the biblical phrase signifies a treeless hill, a place of idolatry, a meaning unknown to interpreters. Okay. Ice bombi bar twenty three three had all that commentary. Okay, so after we read that and so to ten a that Belum was lame in one leg after the donkey incident, it says Shemshon was lame in both legs, as it is said, an adder in the path. Okay, so that's from adder in the path, that's the whole thing that Yaakov was talking about in Beresheet 49 when he's prophesying over Dan next thing that Rabbi Lookout man decided to drop in this draw, she dropped so much stuff in it, it says that the mother of Shimshon and also Hasis brought this down via Baba Batra 91A, so both of y'all just are uncalled for with this but it is zelel poni. So like zalel like in the shadow, right? And then poni, which is my face. So let's put that together. Zel, shadow. El, Hashem. Poni, my face. Shadow of Hashem, my face. That's the name of Shemshon's mother. Then you put that with manoach, which is from Nuak, which means resting place. So the place where the face of the shadow of Hashem rest gave birth to the son of redemption. Because Shemshon is Shemesh's son, he brought redemption, the beginning of redemption. So yes, so out of the shadows, the Redeemer comes and brings the beginning of redemption to his people. And of course, we got to connect that to Colossians two seventeen about the whole shadow of things to come with the body of Mashiach, casting that shadow being the reality of the different feast that we observe. So when you really put that all together, if you're one who celebrates the festivals and observes the festivals of Hashem, you're literally in the place where Shemshon was conceived. So that way... You become a part of the process of the redemption that will ultimately culminate with the coming of Mashiach Ben David, speedily and soon in our days. Amen. Okay, now that that's that. Okay, twelve tribes. So we've been on this kick lately since the incredible Talmud decided to bring up this whole thing about the the Masalot. Uh, and how everyone can through the Mozzle load and understanding your torah portion and when you were born and the uh the the mazel that you were born under from the Gregorian calendar and connect it with the tribe and the Hebrew calendar and all of that, and how that all works out not going to give away the whole formula because he can do a better job with that. So see the incredible Talmud if you want to know all that. But we were talking more about that on the Shabbat. And I go to the Wisdom of Numbers. Uh, it's a Jewish source here. And it's talking about the 12 signs of the Mazalot. And I wanted to bring that up because... It's interesting that there has to be 12 tribes. There have to be 12 sons of Yaakov, and there have to be 12 Talmudim of Mashiach. Check this out. It says, Rivka was not granted the ability herself to beget 12 sons for Yitzhak. So there was an exclusion of the wicked, which was Asav and his descendants footnote it's crazy because obviously uh, Rivka was supposed to, to bear 12 sons, footnote says Bereshit Rabah 63-6 so I brought that up as a precedent because 12 shun, twelve sons should have started from uh, Rivka or actually it says from Abraham Sleka my bad, that's what I get for starting in the middle of things okay let's do this the jewish nation has its origins in three patriarchs and four matriarchs the interrelationship between the number three and four the representative of the process and the means of expression led to the formation of the children of israel so when you have a process and the means to express that process it comes out to be 12 which is the children of israel so being a part of the tribes is a process and a means of expression that's what's happening as we're developing out here in creation so it says in actuality the first human being good night i should have just read from the very beginning of this listen it's good night In actuality, the first human being, Adam, should have himself fathered 12 sons. It's just insane. Like, this is blowing me away because I never knew what was so significant to Mashiach having 12 Talmudim. Like, he just went and found 12 guys and was just like, yeah, follow me. Like, okay. Why does it have to be 12? And when Yehuda... Uh, Iskariot... uh Decided to... Turn his back on... Mashiach and... All that kind of stuff... Betray him... They had to find a replacement... And it was just like... No, we have to have 12... And it was so crazy because... They ended up finding two more guys... And they ended up casting lots for them... And... Um, I think it was Matthias that actually won. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to pull up my source on that because I don't want to be an MSU and stuff. Stand by. Opening up my Bible to Acts, Which is funny because no one ever mentions this. So I, I guess I'm glad I get to bring this down. Because as it this is going on Um, some people would be prone to think Shaul is the 13th Talmud that replaced the 12th one that left but that's not true it's not Shaul it says this is Acts chapter 1 starting in verse 23 they nominated two men seriously one of them their name was Yosef oh my gosh Stop it. <laughs> okay, so there were two men. One, his name was Yosef, <laughs> who was surnamed Justice. And there was a person named Matityahu Yahu, which is Matthias. So Rupeshem, I was correct. My memory is not too bad. So that Rabbi Hashem says, Then they prayed to Hashem you know everyone's heart show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the world and or Sleekah, not to take over the world <laughs> to take over the work and the office of the emissary shliach that yehuda abandoned to go where he belongs that's an interesting prayer then they drew lots see this is the thing they drew lots but they prayed to hashem first so it's like drawing lots you know, that's another drosh for another time, but it's not this whole idea of, like, uh, superstition and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, they drew lots to decide between the two, and the lot fell to Yahu. So, in other words, you're trying to say that the, um, we're not trying to say it, it's here. So, I can't help but think that the replacement for the 12th Talmud, was decided by Lots in the same process that the Yom Kippur goats are selected by Lot. That's why it's called Kippur, like Pur, like Lot. Purim would be Lots, like Purim. The story of Esther and Mordecai and Hamon and all that. So all of that has to do with Lots. And interestingly enough, Pur is the, uh, is connected to Kapor, which is atonement. So Kapor, like a lot, is atonement. Okay, so, Matid Yahu is the, the replacement 12th Talmud. Okay, so there's this whole thing about having 12, and it says that Adam should have himself father twelve sons, but his primeval sin meant the designation. Yisrael and the mission to glorify God through twelve pathways of the world would not be given to all of mankind. Let me reread that. But his primeval sin meant the designation, Yisrael. And the mission to glorify God through 12 pathways in the world would not be given to all mankind. So because Adam brought death to all mankind, and through the second Adam, life was brought to all mankind, so we can't have the one who brought death have 12 sons who perpetuate that. We need a new pathway that serves Hashem that is devoid of death so now we see how the second adam got his 12 sons with his 12 talmudim and now they perpetuate life into creation so wow okay um then it says instead it would be reserved for the chosen descendants of abraham so we're sons of abraham And that's cool. Alright, so it says this would also exclude several of Abraham's descendants. Most notably, Yishmael was excluded. Even though he fathered 12 sons. Get out of here with that. Okay. But note 18, you know, I gotta go to it. Bereshit 1720. Wow. Okay, and then Rivka was not granted the ability to beget 12 sons for Yitzhak because the exclusion was asaph and his descendants okay so not yeshmael not asaph so not islam and not christianity okay that's that's yeshmael and asaph by the way okay so now it says finally it was left up to Yaakov. <laughs> okay that's it it's left up to Yaakov. of the 12 tribes of israel Ruvain, Shimeon, Levi, Yehuda, Yitzchakar, and Zebulun were born to Leah. Yosef and Binyamin were born to Rachel. Dan and Naphtali were born to Bilhah. Gad and Asher were born to Zilpah. Parentheses. Yosef, the son who most resembled Yaakov, was himself meant to bear 12 sons. And you know what's funny about that is the only way Yosef bared 12 sons after this footnote so did 36b. (laughs) Yosef had two sons, right? Ephraim and Menasheh. But we know Menasheh was the firstborn, but Yaakov said, no, Ephraim's the firstborn. And we know that Mashiach, being Yosef, Is called by the name of Ephraim so Mashiach ben Ephraim okay Um, which is why Yeshua who is literally a son of Ephraim if you go back to trace the lineage from Ephraim to Yehoshua ben Nun you see that uh, Yehoshua ben Nun which is a Mashiach ben Yosef is the son of Ephraim who is the son of Yosef anyway all of that to say that Yosef's two sons are two so where are the other ten sons this is why you have to understand that Benjamin, son of my right hand is actually connected to Yosef to where there are two parts of one soul that's in the Kehot Humash Hasidic Insights and it says that okay, goes back to the footnote Soda 36b that Yamin's 10 sons whose names were allusions to Yosef's completed the 12 sons of Joseph. so Yosef in order for him to have 12 sons you have to read it Yosef Benyamin which is Joseph the son of my right hand literally the son of my right hand is Mashiach Ben Yosef who is the son of Joseph. if you read in the Besorah the lineage of Mashiach it goes Yaakov Yosef Yeshua so yeah there's that so there's that whole picture to connect us back probably want the verse to that well other than just telling you Matthew first part of Matthew a little bit after the first verse I'll read you the exact verse it says verse 16 of chapter 1 Yaakov was the father of Yosef just like in Bereshit and then Yosef was the husband of Miriam from whom was born the Yeshua the Yeshua who was called the Messiah so again Yaakov Yosef Yeshua all right Man, I haven't even gotten to the Torah portion and stuff. I was just gleaning all this, like... Crazy on Shabbat. So then it says that... Uh, where are we at? The 12 signs of the Zodiac, which are called Mazalot. And some people do the whole horoscope and all that kind of stuff. Well, the horoscope... Eh, not kosher. Don't get you some. But Mazalot... In accordance with the teachings of the Torah, get you some. A little bit, anyway, because this incredible Talmud brings down from Parashah Bami Bar that as a Yehudi, we are above Mazel. Like there is the influence that we have in the constellations and the seasons and the times and all that, but really, because we're connected to Hashem, we're beyond that. So if you see your sign and all that that's why horoscopes are bad for jews because that doesn't apply to us so you can rise above who you're supposed to be according to these horoscopes and according to the mazel that's active in the heavenlies that are in the uh, in the solar system and all that kind of stuff that's not to influence you but it can it can help a little bit for you to see things so but anyway all that being said this is what the commentary is on the mazelote says the object the objective of the natural world is entrusted to the 12 tribes they are the ones to fill the universe with godliness okay and i was talking to my caller and she was talking, or, well, she was listening, so I appreciate her for doing that. Uh, she was listening to me talk about how Mashiach had 12 Talmudim, and they spread the Basora into all of creation. So, I thought that was a little neat insight to kind of parallel that here. Then it says, the channels through which flows, the channels through which this flows operates within the natural world in the mazalot which are commonly known as zodiac this refers to the belt of constellations whose star formations are arranged as signs that are visible in the skies during the course of the year during the ecliptic into 12 equal zones in return these approximate these approximate the 12 lunar months of the year and are matched to the 12 tribes and this is also matched to the 12 permutations arrangements of Hashem's name. And there are 12 gateways to Hashemayim that according to Kabbalistic teachings have their parallel in the 12 tribes. So why do you have to be in a tribe? Well, you'd have to do the Chassim Seufer on Orach Chaim 16. So there you go. Then it says Yaakov's twelve sons merited to be included in the composition of the Jewish nation parallel to the twelve permutations of Hashem's four letter name each tribe chartered its unique distinctive pathway. Each was an equally legitimate avenue in terms of Avodat Hashem. And this is why the Torah took so much time and why I'm taking so much time on this segment for the 12 offerings of the leaders, the princes, the Nasiim of Par or Naso. So that whole thing is because each of those are pathways to Hashem. So this is the thing. You would think in your if you had a greek mind which i hope you don't but if you did you would think oh yeah there's 12 different ways to get to the same place and it's like no the pathways actually look the same so with the jewish mind and with what we understand from reading the torah and all the commentaries is that even though it was the same offering there was 12 different intentions so it's not really in that there's 12 different ways but it's really there's different intentions there's different character traits and qualities and um motivations if you will you know so some are like yehuda you know run out front line type people some are like danites come on uh you know we're wild crazy fired up get you some people and some are naphtalis swift and where did they go type people because they're so fast Shouts out to the Rebbe of Sar Shalom, whose tribe, Naphtali, get you some. Okay. Uh, so therefore, if we go back to this Jewish wisdom in the numbers, it says, Yaakov's blessing of each son before his passing indicated each tribe would be in possession of a key role in its individualistic pathway of holiness to connect to its godly source. and of course so here we how we connected back to naso and in the inauguration of the mishkan each of the 12 princes brought his specific donation on 12 successive days though their offerings were identical their repetition in the torah attest to their precious nature worthy of inclusion within scripture testimony to the uniqueness of each tribe was demonstrated by its unique banner and symbol. Just as every one of the twelve Jewish months has its significant noteworthy events, so too do all the twelve tribes exhibit their unique sets of characteristics. Okay, And these correlate to spiritual gifts as talked about in the letter to Corinthians. But I'm not going to get into that either. Okay. So. There is, a, an adi- there is an edition of the Midrash Tankuma called Buber. And uh, you can actually find that available uh, through many different places. But I wanted to dovetail because that's how I roll. Off of a post that was placed on Facebook. By one of our shul members. And she was dropping how. Mashiach. Healing on the Shabbat. And uh, how that's great. That's kosher. That's legit. And that's good. Because healing on Shabbat. Is even greater than circumcising on Shabbat. Because circumcision on Shabbat. Is uh, healing one of the limbs. Of our service to Hashem. But healing someone heals all the limbs of a person for service to Hashem, namely 248. It said that we have 248 limbs that are used to serve Hashem, and that corresponds to vessels or instruments of righteousness, as Romans 613 calls them. And I find that very ironic that Romans 613 literally is about serving Hashem with your body. So, Yeah, 248 ways to do that. And uh, that's how many positive mitzvot there are, by the way. Out of the 613 mitzvot brought down in Torah, there are 248 of them positive. Like, you shall keep the Shabbat, you shall observe, you shall eat. Those kinds of things that are, like, these are good things. They're easy, they're fun, they're good, you should enjoy. Kind of things. So here's what the Midrash Tankuma Buber edition for Vyashev 8 drops down. It says that it is written concerning the Shabbat and Shemot thirty one fourteen. whoever profanes it, the Shabbat shall surely, surely be put to death. Okay, so that's that. And then it says, Yet our masters have taught, they shall clear away the rubble over one who is alive on shabbat listen if a person is sick lame blind can't hear like deaf and they're mute can't walk can't talk can't speak can't do any of those things that would be the definition of rubble that should be cleared away from a person if they're alive on the shabbat that's coming from the chazal okay this says they have taught this so when mashiach asks is it permissible to heal on the shabbat they should have been taught that yes of course you can heal on the shabbat because we're supposed to clear away rubble over anyone who's alive furthermore going back to this source here it says rabbi eliezer ben azariah said if circumcision which affects only one of the 248 human organs overrides the shabbat how much more would 248 organs under stone override the shabbat for someone in other words what i just explained earlier about well if we can do circumcision of course we can heal the whole body Then it says, Rabbi Shimeon ben Menasha says, defile one Shabbat for him so that he may keep a lot of Shabbats. Okay, just, uh oh, kind of just throw everything in this room right now. That's insanity. There should be no question when Mashiach asks that, man. Because OG Onkelos right here on uh, Bami Bar... Seven verse forty-eight, talking about Ephraim being a tribe that offered their offering on Shabbat, it says that they violated it. They violated Shabbat. This is deal with Ephraim, man. Even uh, the the uh, Shulchan Aruch talks about how there are two two different schools of thought um, for eating food that's been prepared already on the Shabbat. And you're having it at a later time. So if you had this meal that was pre-prepared. And you ate it on Shabbat. So like if you're on prep day and you're like, Shabbat's coming. Make my meals. Got my food. Shabbat's here. I want to eat this, but it's cold. Literally it says, if you are under the halakha of the Beit Yosef, you can reheat your food on Shabbat. Just saying, Yosef, Ephraim, it's like crazy. Okay, so now I'm going to my little source here from Nasso about, (laughs) oh my gosh, the, uh, I'm going to call this the Lord of the Shabbat because that's how Captain Israel dropped it down. And it was funny because him and Hasis were doing this little double team technique when this... Uh when this insight was being shared to where they were already knowing what was up, and I'm just stuck here in Ankalos, like, wait, did you just hear what this said? So here's Onkelos. Oh OG. By the way, this is gonna be a part two. I'm just gonna let you know. I'm sharing a lot of stuff right now. Okay. So it says that Ibn Ezra notes that the seventh day could mean the Shabbat based on Tankuma. And the offering was permitted because of the exigences, exigencies, the exigencies, that's a weird word, of the particular time and occasion. See commentary on verse 14. You know I'm about to do that. Swerve. Okay. Barrel roll. Verse 14. Do-do-do-do. Alright, Kuni to verse 18 adds that contrary to usual practice they also brought their sacrifices on Shabbat and even if they were in a state of impurity, no they didn't. Alright, so Mashiach talked about how in the temple that the Shabbat has being violated all day long Because there's even extra offerings That happen on the Shabbat And all this kind of stuff And it's like Yeah if you go back to the the Precedent offerings That established The Mishkan in the world There were Offerings that were brought That violated normal Halakha in practice But it was for the sake Of Hashemayim it was for the sake of the greater good. So let me just not go there, cause it's so tempting. But anyway, don't answer. Don't. Don't. Just never mind. Okay. I just don't know what to do with myself right now. That's that's a lot. Okay. So because it was Shabbat, even if they were in a state of impurity, they could bring offerings. Just, just stop. Okay. Like, what I'm what I'm saying is, like, going through my head and my heart right now is, like, so all those things that Mashiach did on Shabbat, like, people were giving him flack that he was violating it, not to mention that at his trial before the puppet Sanhedrin that was placed and all these unfair trials, no one ever brought up that he violated Shabbat it says he was blameless like they they couldn't find a reason to incriminate or prosecute him so what is this all throughout his ministry people are like oh you violated shabbat you can't tell that man to pick up his mat and walk like what it what oh just don't want to hear it anymore man that's crazy right now okay so anyway Take a deep breath, man. Take a deep breath. Altitude sickness will not set in in my house. Okay. So now it says on the seventh day, this could refer to the seventh day of the dedicationary offerings and not the Shabbat. If Ezra opts for the second opinion and brings proof from the seventh day of circling the city of Jericho, Yehoshua 6, 6, where in his view, the seventh day meant the seventh day of circling the city because they did not march on the Shabbat. So too, in his opinion, the seventh day dedication of the first temple occurred during Yom Kippur and he felt... Wait, wait, wait. wait, The dedication of the temple fell on Yom Kippur. Am I reading this right? Yeah. Okay. The seven day dedication of the first temple occurred during Yom Kippur and he felt that no dedication ceremony was held on the holiday itself even Ezra's proof is based on his interpretation of these two events but check this out other scholars and Takuma Felt that Yehoshua had told the Israelites to march around Jericho on the Shabbat. And Shlomo continued the dedication ceremony on Yom Kippur. So you know what that means. That uh, there was some eating happening on Yom Kippur at the dedication of the first temple. And it's funny because doing Havdalah with Captain Israel, we were going through sources and he was being really secretive. He didn't even tell me that he was looking for this ninja drop here that I'm still just kind of blue screened about. He was just like, yeah, I was reading somewhere. I think it was Moed, Katan, something about they were eating on Yom Kippur because it was about the the dedication of the temple and it being like this greater... Thing, which right here we're reading in Onkelos I'm pretty sure it's that fancy word exigency um, that when that's the case these violations on a lower level happen for something that's more greater you know this is why Mashiach oh my gosh this is why Mashiach would say don't be talking to me about my sons eating bread from the, the table of the master because you said they were picking heads of grain You know, I'm the Lord of Shabbat, and something greater than the temple is here. So, you know, like, you just put all that together. I mean, that's just, wow. Didn't think I would find that. Because it's so funny. Like, during the first one of, I think it was, like, the second or third year of being Jewish and entering into this faith, entering into my faith here, Bruke Shem, I take ownership, Uh, we had a guy like hanging out with us for uh, after Oneg and Shul and everything and he was like yeah I think I remember seeing like on this cartoon about like Jewish people and uh, like there was something with Yom Kippur and cabbage and everybody in the room is like looking around we're like no I don't think it would have involved Yom Kippur because we don't eat cabbage on Yom Kippur like you don't eat anything on Yom Kippur so I mean and now we find this source about the dedication of the temple and they're having a feast that's part of the seven days and then we know Sukkot is coming up right after Yom Kippur, so they're gonna go right into another seven days. Oh my gosh, that's just insane. That's like fourteen days of get you some and it included Yom Kippur, just like the twelve days of offering included the Shabbat and it was like, this is greater than the Shabbat, what we're doing right now (sighs) wow so here's what Hasis and Captain Israel were on the same page about this is from the Kol Hator an anthology of interpretation of the five books of Moshe our scroll series Just uncalled for. Check this out. The leader selected to bring his offering on the Shabbat was the head of the tribe of Ephraim. The Midrash explains that another reason for allowing this violation of the Shabbat was a special honor to the memory of Yosef. The ancestor of that tribe, even though Yosef lived many years as a prince of Mitzrayim, He faithfully observed the Shabbat and the other mitzvot. Yosef's body was brought out of Mitzrayim with B'nai Israel, and his coffin was carried in the desert ahead of the Holy Ark to demonstrate his righteousness to the world. So remember that the formation of the tribes around the ark that traveled with them in the wilderness was based off the pattern that Yaakov told his sons to carry his body back to Israel so it could be buried so we got the body of Yaakov being treated as if the tribes are marching around the ark and now we say that they have an ark in the wilderness but Yosef's coffin is ahead of the ark so the ark is following Yosef who's following the ark that's ahead of the camp, which is three days' journey ahead of them. And that's the ark that Moshe made, which had the broken sapphire tablets in it. Oh, my word. And then, don't forget the Or Hachaim drop about the two clouds, which was really one cloud that was ahead of the children of Israel, where the fire came from, and all that. It was in the shape of a hay, and all that kind of stuff. Like, okay, just... So overload we're at 57 minutes two minutes to go until we start a new portion okay then it says that it it was to joseph who had so faithfully respected the shabbat that hashem promised he would one day give over a shabbat in his honor this was the Shabbat on which the leader of the tribe of Ephraim brought his offering. Tankuma, see commentary to Bereshit forty-three sixteen. So, that's where Mark two twenty-seven 27-28 comes in. Then he said to them, Shabbat was made for mankind, not mankind for Shabbat. So the son of man is Adon, is Lord even of the Shabbat. So, stand by. We'll be back with part two of the Shabbat gleanings for Parsha Naso. All right, and we are back with the Parsha Naso Shabbat gleanings. Just finished talking about Lord of the Shabbat, Tribe of Ephraim. Moving right along with things that I was able to learn. I don't know. I, I mean, I just really took time to stop, and um, you know, not even go into parasha Beha' Aloteca. This is the longest I've gone without really starting next week's tour portion on time because normally I already have read the tour portion by now and I'm ready to upload the GYS uh, for the parashah, But you know, I not so grabbed me, and it was like not so fast. Stay here. Let's learn some more stuff. But, anyway, I just had to throw in my little pun. You know, you got to get a Naso pun in there. All right. So, the next topic I want to go over is go back to Rabbi Lookout Man, which I call, or which is Rabbi Kaplan of uh, Chabad, talking about Shemshon and how he correlates to this week's Torah portion. So, with that being said, he goes, go to the Haftarah, which is Shoftim 13, Judges 13, and he says, look at the conversation between Manoach and the Malach, and uh, opening up my notes here, oh, I need my little graph, here graph, over here, okay, so. He says if you look at what's the verse? It's uh verse nineteen. Here we go. Okay, British. Verse nineteen. If you look slika uh, verse eighteen. It could be verse nineteen in some translations. But verse, uh, it's the verse that says, why do you ask my name? My name is hidden. The Hebrew says, Vehu Feli. So instead of saying, you know, my name is like Shmi Feli, he says, Shmi Vehu Feli. He says, and to my name, and he is hidden, or he is my hidden one. So in other words, this angel is speaking like in third person, like the way Mashiach spoke, you know. The words I speak are not my own. In other words, this angel is saying, the name that I have is not my own. It's, it's my father's name, and it's hidden. Now, before I do the connection back to the parasha, another thing that I was able to glean and find is that it says, if you want to look up more information about faily, then you need to go back to Devarim. And in Devarim, there is a connection about faeli because it's called any dispute that is baffling that you cannot figure out. You have to take that to the place where Hashem's name is in order to figure it out. Let's see if I took a note of it. Probably didn't take a note of it because I was too turned up about it. Nope. Sure didn't. Okay, so going by memory. So, um, basically, it's anything you cannot figure out. Only Hashem can figure it out, which connects back to this name that in order to know the name of this Malach, which we know is Memtet, who is the angel of Hashem, it says in order for you to know his name, basically the only way you can know is Hashem would have to reveal it to you which is proof that uh, the spirit which is Hashem's Ruach HaKodesh reveals Mashiach to us and that's the only way we get to Mashiach is through the Ruach HaKodesh so it has to be revealed just like in order for the brothers of Yosef to know he was Yosef, Yosef himself had to reveal to them that he was Yosef so it is with Hashem that he will have to reveal to his children who Mashiach Yeshua is. He will he will do it. So anyway, so connect this back to the Parsha. Rabbi Kaplan said, Where do we see this in the Torah portion? Um uh, Bami Bar, looking at the word Faili, right? Check this out. Faili is pay or Fey lamed Aleph Yod. Fei Lamed. Aleph Yod are in the Torah portion do you see that which funny side story I asked the youth group uh, have, where do we see this word in the Torah portion in Hebrew and they're like Mr. Amit are you serious and I'm like yeah there's only 176 verses you could do it and I was like yeah I'm just kidding I'll tell you it's in Pame bar 6 verse 2 so anyway that was kind of funny but imagine one day though when it's just like yeah I'm looking for this word in the Torah portion it's like, stand by, I got that oh here it is, you know like that would be really cool to know Hebrew that well that you can just like find it right there in the Torah scroll but anyway <clears throat> here's what we got it's Bami bar 6-2 if a man or woman utters a vow the vow of a Nazir to separate himself before Adonai Hebrew, le nidor, neder, nazir, le hazir la adonai. Oh, you so got Ki yafli. There it is, right there. Yafli. Ki yafli, le neder neder, nazir le hazir la adonai. So, and if a woman or a man utters a vow, the vow of a Nazarite. There you go. It's right there. Now, this word, Yafli, is used for the word separate. Now, Ogeonkelos. Scriptures, Yafli, has several meanings. It means to separate from normal joy desires. That's from the C phrase Zutah, Ezra, and Sforno. And it says, or it means to perform a wondrous act. From the Hebrew are you kidding me? Ankalos and Rashi manuscripts have both Yefaresh, which is Utters, and Yafrish, which is Separates. And then it says here and in Vayikra 27.2. So, you know, we got to go to Vayikra 27.2. Just be following our roadmaps. Vayikra 27.2. What we got? Standby. 27. Looking for the word. Yafresh. Oh. Or Yafli. <laughs> well how about that? Yafli. As it appears in B- Bami Bar 6-2. As permutated from Shoftim 13, 18, or 19 says in twenty 27.2, these verses are all connected now. There we go. Speak unto the sons of Yisrael, and say unto them, When a man shall make a special vow, involving the evaluation of persons okay so yah is connected to a vow which is connected to the nazarite man the torah is just so insane okay I didn't get this so the the value of a human being is what we're talking about here so it says that um if you read a different translation if someone makes a clearly defined vow to Adonai to give him an amount equal to the value of a human being the value you are to assign to a man between the ages of 20 and 60 years is to be 50 shekels of silver which is one and one quarter pounds with the shekel uh, being the standard, okay? So 50 shekels. And then it says, if a woman, it's 30 shekels or 30 silver pieces. To which Shonuf Pincus, Parashabekukotai, uh, was talking about how the Shekinah is the representation of Hashem being Echad. And remember how Echad means one, and so Echad is also connected to the Shekinah, and Mashiach has the name of Echad because he's the one who is one with his father, as he talks about in Yochanan 10.30. So he's calling himself the Shekinah, and it's interesting because the Shekinah is a feminine aspect, and it says in our verse in Vayikra, that if you want to have know the value of a person and it says between the or uh between the age of 20 and 60 that if it's a man it's 50 shekels and if it's a woman it's 30 shekels and Yehuda gave 30 shekels or silver pieces to the Sanhedrin puppets for selling out Mashiach so selling off the Shekinah basically, betraying it so that's interesting just wanted to bring that up Echad is connected with Shemshon. it's also connected with the Shekinah of Hashem and it's connected with Yeshua so alright wasn't planning to go that far but uh just wanted to say that's what Rabbi Lookout Man brought down about the connection of Yafli and Feli being connected to Parashah And he also brought down that there were Shalom B'ayit issues between Manoach and Zelfponi, which are the parents of Manoach. which Hasis also brought that down because we correlated it to the Shalom B'ayit that the Malach that visited Abraham and Sarah during Pesach uh, kept. So he wanted to make sure that they were on the same page. and it, And in all these situations, it was about bearing a son miraculously so that was a lot okay so Selah now the other thing about this Yafli which is perform a wondrous act is the meaning of Shemshon's feats of strength because remember he was lame in both legs so if he's walking around and then all of a sudden destroying Pilistines philistines then that has to be a miraculous thing so it's like you shuffle shuffle and then he'd be like suit up and then he'd take people out and then it's like okay back to shuffle so like literally every day i'm shuffling apply to shim now where to go after that wild comment <laughs> okay so i don't know where i got this from but check this out send my notes here. The couple now realize they had seen something godly and they feared death. It is known that as the soul begins its divestment from the physical body, it begins to experience that which it is impossible to experience when it is fully vested in the physical. In other words, as you get closer to death, you can experience things that are impossible to experience otherwise. So, Manoach is not crazy for saying hey, we're going to die because he's like it's impossible for us to see the angel of Hashem and like watch him go up in the flames like when he ascended like he didn't burn up or anything but yeah so that's the comment here and it says so Manoak and his wife thought for this reason that their end must be near quickly coming to her senses though the woman resounded that it was impossible for this to be true God cannot be punishing them, for if He was, why would He accept the offering? And then it says, moreover, that's Zal's favorite word. Okay, Rupshim, they could not possibly be destined to die, for they had just received word from God that they were going to have a child. Now that's cool. That takes a mooner right there. So some some circumstance happened where you're like surely I'm gonna die after this and it's like well I technically should but I'm actually not because Hashem promised something so that means like either Hashem's a liar or this is crazy right now it's about to be miraculous and I can't help but think about how Mashiach talked about it you know and some of you in this room won't die until you see the son of man in his glory so it's just kind of like, does that mean someone is still around today that knew Mashiach? You know, possibly. But either way, we're going to be alive to see him in his glory. So, Brook with, Shem, with his grace and with his favor, I mean. Then it says, uh, eventually a boy was born and they named him Shemshon. God was with the young man, and he grew to be one of the greatest Jewish leaders and warriors of all time. And again, they mention her name, Zelel Ponit, is the mother of Shemshon. So now you know who the mother of Shemshon is. Okay, we did the Romans 6.13, which is the instruments of service to Hashem. This is Midrash Tankuma, the Bubera edition, Beha Aloteca 13. I took this because there's something in here. What's in here? Uh, Bami Bar 8-6. So let's go there. I guess we're getting into Beha Aloteca now. 8-6 bring near the levi'im from the israelites and cleanse them bring footnote uncleo pseudo yonatan sadia generally replace the verb with take when used in the bible with respect to humans with bring near so instead of take they put bring near okay and in verse six it says kach et halavim. So we have that take is what the actual text is, but they're substituting bring near, okay. And then it says the former, which is take, is something with what? Okay the former is somewhat disrespectful and it is literally impossible to grasp or take thousands of people because how many levi'im are there let's go back to by mebar, there are 22,000 of them so it's impossible to take 22,000 it says oh and I had to reach out to Stav Soldat about um, the levi'im and like how 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 uh, the wave would work And how there were 22,000 Leviim that had to get waved By Aharon and Moshe And I was talking about how they physically picked these people up And waved them before Hashem And so I was like Okay so there's 22,000 people And they got one day To wave all these people And Aharon and Moshe have to do it So this is What he calculates so you calculate the seconds in a day, and then you divide that by the 22,000 people. And there may be a little bit more to that, but here's the thing. Ultimately, what it culminates in is in order to waive 22,000 grown men, it's 3.93 seconds per person. And if you can do that 22,000 times, you have a full day. And that, that would be a full day's work. So, Medrashim points out that it took a miraculous there we go with failure again, feat of strength in order for the Leviim to be waved, which is brought near to Hashem. I mean, you only got three point nine three seconds to wave twenty two thousand people before Hashem. What in the world is that? <laughs> anyway, um Hope I can refine my note here because I had to swerve. Stand by, stand by. Okay, so back to o- OG Onkelos here. He says this is similar to what Rashi, based on the Seafree states. Take here means persuade the Levi that they were chosen to serve Hashem and should feel fortunate to merit this opportunity. The change occurs in this chapter in verses 6 and 18, using the word found in scripture itself in 9 and 10. Onkelos frequently uses bring also for animals, but not always, as can be seen in verse 8. While the concerns of Oji Onkelos, pseudo and Sadia are human dignity, and physical impossibility, Neofti had different thoughts. He has separate uh, as in verse six, but it's literal in verse eighteen. The word separate is a proper description since the Leviims were separate from the rest of the Israelites to perform certain sanctuary functions. Ibn Ezra. Arguably, Neofti is also res- reasonable in verse 18 because the issue there is taking the levi'im for a function in place of the israelite firstborn okay so neofti is reasonable with his word separate because the issue of taking in verse 18 of the levi'im here is for replacing the firstborn So, verse 18, I brought near the Leviim, see it uses brought near, but it should be separate or take, uh, in the place of the Israelite firstborn. So, the whole tribe of the Levites, the division of that tribe called the Leviim, who attend the Kohanim in their sacrificial service and temple upkeep, they are in place of the firstborn of Israel. This is where we pay our tithes, because they serve in our place while we do what we have to do outside of the temple courts. So okay. So now back to my note over here. I got this all started. Okay, so it says, this is related to Tehillim 11.5, Hashem tests the righteous. HaKadosh Baruchu does not elevate a person to an office until he first tests and examines him. When he withstands his test, he elevates him to the offer, office. And so you find in the case of our forefather Abraham, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu tested him with ten temptations, he withstood his trial. Then after that, he blessed him. It is so stated in Bereshit 24.1, And Hashem blessed Avraham in all things. Oh my goodness. We quote this in the Birkat Amazon. Where we're like, Fe'yet Tishti, Otanuve ad kola sherlanu kemoshini pareku a voltanu Abraham eats god be ya go parkomiko ko can you vare go tanuku lanu yakat vivrakka shlema venomar amen Yep that's uh the third blessing of I mean not the third the, it's the next to last blessing of the birkar amazon So uh the starts with harakaman okay brukashem so uh so yeah, that's cool. So that's connected to this week's Torah portion. It says that so also in the case of Yitzhak, when he was tested in the days of Abimelech. Okay, so we just saying about and blessed with all things and in all things like our fathers, Avraham, Yitzhak. So where's Yaakov? Um we'll get there. Says that after Yitzhak stood the test of Avimelech then after that he blessed him as stated in Bereshit twenty six twelve. so Yitzhak sowed on that land for Adonai had blessed him so also in the case of Yaakov when he tested him by means of all the tribulations with Asaph with Dina with Yosef and with the tribulation of how he departed from the house of his father and his mother, Bereshit 32.11, beginning of Parashah For with only my staff that I crossed this Jordan, he blessed him. It is also stated in Bereshit five nine. Now God appeared unto Yaakov again when he came from Padan Aram and blessed him. So, also in the case of Yosef, should have known he was going to show up. He tested him with the wife of Potiphar, and he was in prison for 12 years. Then after that, he came out and became king because he withstood the trials. So we test the righteous. So if you're going through struggles and tests right now, you're being uh, interviewed for a job position. And this is great because I was just talking to a couple of guys today. And uh, between all of us, we were talking about our tests and our struggles and challenges and everything like that. But lo and behold, Beha Aloteca 13 from the Tankuma Buber edition talks about how Hashem tests the righteous. So we should be happy and excited about our tests. Interestingly enough, Yaakov wrote about that in the B'Hadashah it all joy my brethren when you encounter all types of trials so uh, just be encouraged that you're in a job interview right now so dress nice and uh, be on your best behavior okay where are we going now all right so i'm gonna go ahead and do this one the pierced place. Uh, With the help of Hashem, you should be getting a podcast uh, notification about battling from the pierced place at some point this week, so Brooke Hashem, uh, we can talk about that, Uh, but for now, here is a preface. Alright, so Zolan is our local Avenger who is ruling of the waters the uh what do you call these people uh there was cuz it's like he's from Atlantis but he's not uh from Atlantis oh i forget where he was talking about but it was it was an interesting span that he put on it so i'm just talking to myself right now but anyway um he sent me this he said this right here reminded me of acts 1015 he said, "The voice of the voice spoke to him a second time. Stop treating as unclean what Hashem has made clean." So he's in Sota nine b. Says when the angel spoke to Shemshon's mother, which we know is Zelelponi, he said, "Now therefore beware, I pray of you, and drink no wine, nor strong drink, and eat not anything unclean." 13 thirteen four. The Gemara asks what is the meaning of any unclean thing? The term usually means non-kosher foods, but obviously she would not eat them anyway. Which again, in in Acts chapter 10, obviously Kepha would not eat unclean food anyway. So what's the meaning of that? Okay. Then it says, and what's more until now, was she eating unclean things that she should have to be warned not to continue doing so? Rabbi Yitzhak of the School of Rabbi Ami says the angel was not referring to foods that are actually unclean, but rather to the items forbidden to a Nazarite. Which, by the way, to kind of swerve tag onto what Zalan was bringing up, if Hashem is saying, stop treating unclean what I made unclean, if he's not talking about food, what's he talking about? Well, where is Kepha about to be sent? to the house of a non-Jew someone who technically is unconverted but he's been active in shul I'm talking about Cornelius Cornelius and his household were like get you sums, like they were not Christians they were not any other uh, faith that is said to be kind of Jewish but not really they were in the synagogue and keeping kosher and probably observing the festivals because that's the only way you know what's going on in judaism anyway so that's what hashem is talking about when he says don't be treating unclean what i've made clean because the thing is there is apparent rumor that the goyim are likened to corpses because they're spiritually unregenerated because they don't have the ruach hakodesh, kodesh and so they would be considered impure and they would be basically like you're walking into the place of a dead corpse which would create impurity. And uh you know the Torah brings out about touching a dead corpse and how that makes you tame. So with that being said, it's not about food. Just like in Soda nine B it's not about food that the Malach is telling Zalel poni not to eat unclean food. this is crazy (laughs) because again Zaleponi and Manoak are like super righteous people like that they can even be compared with Abraham and Sarah and I would even bring to the table Miriam and Yosef you know the parents of Mashiach Yeshua because you know Hashem is not going to send Mashiach Yeshua to be born of someone who's not Torah observant or who is lax in their observance so you know there's that but, continuing on, it says, The angel is not referring to foods that were actually unclean, but rather to items forbidden to a Nazarite. So, to Zolan, of course, it connects to Acts chapter 10. You are correct. That's awesome. So, the other thing is that you added more to this picture, so I'm going to keep reading. After Shimshon smote 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey he called the place Lechai and you would think Lechaim right well the Hebrew Belechai is um, the place like to life so Be which is a a preposition which means in and then Lechai to life so in to life Lechai so in the place called Lechai and it says out of there came water so, but here's what it says about Lechai. It says, God cleaved the hollow place that is in Lechai, and out of there came water. So, this place, called Lechai, has a piercing in it, and out of that piercing came the water, which Shemshon drank, and his spirit came back, and he was revived. Judges 15:19. Now, the verse or the statement before this it says so he smote the philistines with the jawbone of a donkey he called the place Lechai, god miraculously granted him to drink as he was dying of thirst so spirits place water comes out rabbi yitzhak of the school of Rab ami says he desired something unclean as he was driven by lust to go to the philistine women Therefore, the saving of his life was dependent on something unclean, the jawbone of a donkey. Battling from the fierce place, preface, here we go. When Mashiach was on the crucifixion stake, that was technically an impure place. That's why he was crucified outside the camp. But here's the beautiful thing about it. That's where... It says the saving of his life in Sotah 9b. That's where we were saved from because we were drawn to unclean things. Now, the unclean things in this scenario where Mashiach's death takes place. Takes place on a tree. Now, where does that appear in the Torah that appears in Devarim? Okay, stand by. I'm going to get my tenaqa. this is crazy this is a devouring by the way this verse is also in Galatians talking about those who are cursed when they hang on a tree Um, and that was put next to the section about uh, cursed are those who do not uphold the Torah and all those kinds of things so obviously Those confusing little passages there have nothing to do with forsaking Torah. They're prohibitions of Torah. So, yeah, we can't get into that right now, even though I want to. All right, so, Devarim... Around like 22 23, or 21, that's cool. (laughs) All right, check this out so, talking about being drawn to an impure place, right? And Mashiach is on the crucifixion stake, and he is the rock, like as in Corinthians 10, where it says, This rock is Mashiach, and that's the water that watered the children of Israel in the wilderness so you got the rock being pierced out so to 9b saying that's where we are uh, our thirst is quenched and then the tree is an impure thing that brought us salvation because in Devarim it says if a man okay, this is uh, 21-22 if a man shall have committed a sin whose judgment is death he shall be put to death and you shall hang him on the english says gallows boy i wish i had on close right here that's enough of that though right (laughs) 23 hang him on okay oto al eights hang him on a tree Ve tali talita Okay, yes, that word can be talit. So the talit on a tree. (sighs) Okay, so talit is spelled with a tav. But talit is spelled like... uh, The word talit, which means hang, is spelled with a tav. But the word talit, the garment, is spelled with a tet. Tav and tet are interchangeable. So um, remember, you can go back to... Um, that and make Talit and Talit hanging the tallit hangs on us right so Mashiach was hanging on a tree the tallit was placed on a tree so that's the crucifixion of Mashiach right there okay that's so crazy because if you think about in a synagogue on Shabbat there are tallits and they hang up and if we see that that's what the crucifixion stake was a tallit hanging on a tree. So, if you hang up your tallit on a hook of some sort, preferably made out of wood, I guess, or just hanging, it's a picture of this. Wow. Okay. So, we're not cursing our tallits, obviously, Chaspe Shalom, but the picture there, good night. So, Vetalita Oto. Al means you shall hang him on a tree. This is the judgment and the death of a person who committed sin. Now, where is this in context of the wayward and rebellious son that happens when a man goes out to war and takes the woman who is a captive of the place that they went to war against? and he's like oh yeah i love her i'm gonna marry her and he forsakes his own wife that he may currently have which is weird to me but he does that and then they have children and then their children grow to be wayward people who are rebellious and there's this whole thing about um let me just read it the son of yours is wayward and rebellious this is 21:20, and he does not hearken to our voice which, whose voice? The elders of the city. Who are the elders of the city echoing the Torah? So he's not Torah observant. He is a glutton and he's a drunkard. They have a footnote. Shouldn't have done it because I'm doing it. Okay. The boy must have stolen from his parents enough money to buy and consume a substantial amount of meat and alcoholic beverages. Sanhedrin 70a. Okay, so this kid is an issue. So all of that and you shall remove the evil from your midst okay so all the men of the city shall pelt him with stones and he shall die again this kid has to be at least 20 so there's that he spends tw- the first 20 years of his life rejecting the teaching of his parents It says and you shall remove the evil from your midst and all israel shall hear and they shall fear so only israel is going to know about this so like when mashiach is placed on a tree all of Israel, all the world has known about this so this should move us to a place of fearing hashem which should enter us into torah because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of hashem and if you look upon the crucifixion the hanging to leet on a tree here that if that doesn't bring you into relationship with hashem then you know i would definitely say see a immediately among many other things but I feel like I'm just flying out of control right now Because I don't know what's going on This is crazy Thank you Hashem for showing us this Now verse 23 in chapter 21 of Devarim His body shall not remain for the night on the tree Rather you shall surely bury him on that day For a hanging person is a curse of God And you shall not contaminate your land Which God your god gives you as an inheritance hence why they had to take his body down and wrap him in a white cloth just like we do our hala loaf on shabbat before we partake of it and say okay stop it okay the the challah is wrapped in a linen cloth with a cover over it just like the body of mashiach when it was put into the tomb and so, when we say the bracha for the challah on Arab Shabbat, what we're really uh, proclaiming is the resurrection of Mashiach, because we're taking him out of the linen cloth and we're lifting him up and saying "HaMotzi Lechem" mean "HaAtz" the bread brought forth from the earth, because Mashiach is the bread he was brought forth from the earth. Okay, cool. All right. So now, don't know where I was. Glad to bring that up. Oh, replacing the firstborn—that's where we were from Targum, battling from the Pierce place. That's where I was in Sota. <laughs> okay, now, with all that being said, what were we drawn to that was a curse? It was us ourselves being a rebellious and wayward son, stealing from our parents, our forefathers, and our our our, patri- our matriarchs, like. Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, uh, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, like, stealing from them, like, not listening to them, and taking their words of truth and throwing them aside, casting off the yoke of Hashemite. Like, we were doing all of that. We were just, whatever, Hashem, we don't want to listen to you. We don't want to listen to our parents either, and we're just going to do our own thing. And Hashem is like, well, because of that, I'm going to have to bring the Mashiach and hang him on a tree and make him a curse. And you're going to have to go to that rock that's been pierced. And you're going to have to drink from it so that you can be saved. And that you can uh, turn from your wicked ways. So just like the jawbone of a donkey brought salvation for Shimshon, so does the uh Pierce Place of Mashiach brings salvation for us. So it heals us from our uncleanness. It heals us from our rebelliousness. Because if you look at the whole process, again this connects to Sota as well. Because the whole Sota ritual when it happened, all of the temple precinct had to like stop and watch as she's led around and, you know, given all these different opportunities that I went through uh, from the Parsha G.Y.S. that talked about the whole process of the Sotah. So with Mashiach, from his trials, to his beating, to his whipping, or lashes, um, and then him being led to the site where he was ultimately crucified, which by the way, him being led to the site, I kid you not, Bereshit Rabbah, Parsha Vayera, talks about the Akida, and it says the reason why Yaakov took the wood and placed it on his son Yitzhak is because he was to know that this was him walking to his death like a person carries their crucifixion stake. Telling you, I did not make that up. I, that's why I remembered it, because it's just that impactful to me. So, but anyway, um, so with Mashiach and having to come and experience all of these different things that happened to him, this was to heal us from our rebelliousness now here's the other crazy thing so anyone who saw a sota, it is said that they after that ritual would have to undergo a nazirite vow and following mashiach Lepid judaism is like a nazirite vow because we're going to abstain from things that people normally partake of you know, like, namely, the things of this world that, uh, you know, that are, some things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, yeah, I did, I just, I just said that, but anyway, but we're going up on a higher level, we're making an ascent, you know, we could do some of these other things, but really, we're looking forward to establishing Hashem's kingdom on this earth, but anyway, um, I was reading this from uh, Acts and it was just talking about how our commitment to follow Hashem is like we're removing ourselves from some things that uh, could draw us away from him and attaching ourselves to him. We're doing something miraculous and it's for a certain amount of time. And so it's like when we're in this exile, we're using this exile to draw us closer to Hashem because not knowing that there are kosher restaurants on every corner or that We can go back and forth from Israel or even live in Israel and have our aliyah made, you know. It's just kind of like, because we don't get to do all these things right now, we're getting to do something miraculous where we're kind of in this place of like, it's a straight and narrow path. There's not really much wiggle room, you know. And We're not going to the left or to the right. We're going straight forward, being covered in the footsteps, the dust of Mashiach. You know, because he's our Rebbe and we follow him. So, all that's going on. But that pierced place, his side, you know, blood and water came out, which we know the Torah is called water. We know the Torah is also called blood. And here's the thing the blood would correspond to the written Torah because the written Torah starts with a bet, ends with a lament. Those two letters make the word lev, which is heart. And the heart is what pumps the blood. Now, the water is the, the oral Torah because the oral Torah starts with a mem and it ends with a mem, which is the word mayim. So, you have your blood and your water coming out of the side of Mashiach Yeshua, which is the pierced place that helps us be drawn away from the unclean desires that we have. And that's us battling from the pierced place to have salvation and refreshment of our souls, quenching our thirst. So, Zalan, when he sent Soda 9b, that screenshot, I didn't get to say all that, so that's why I'm saying it now. But here's what I said as well in the text that I sent back to him I'm seeing how something seen as unclean, that is actually clean, is where salvation comes from, namely the Akida of Mashiach. He who knew no sin became sin, i.e., became unclean even though he was still clean. But while he was doing this, he was working salvation for us. And this is the job on another donkey. The other thing about this is this connects to Legends of the Jews, Volume 1, where it's talking about um, after the sacrifice, the Akidah on Mount Moriah, Abraham returned to Beersheba. The scene of so many of his joys while Yitak was carried to paradise by the Malachim. And there he sojourned for three years. So he spent three years in paradise after the Akita. This corresponds to the three days of Mashiach being in the tomb. Okay. So I want to add that. But um, what I'm reading right now, besides what I'm elucidating is coming from benny b yep i still listen and read benny b um from his commentary on VaYera, and he also goes on to say when he returned you know namely resurrected here the torah says yitzhak came from the way of 'er be'er lachai Roy, roi for he lived in the land of the south Okay, Bereshit twenty four sixty two. Now, the word l- lechai is the same l- lechai that we see in the Shoftim uh, verse dun, 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 dun. Uh, Shoftim 19. So Shoftim fifteen nineteen corresponds to Bereshit twenty four sixty two. The same well where Yitzhak returned from the garden from, namely the piercing of the rock. So Yitzhak comes forth. The resurrected Akida comes forth from the pierced place. Okay, so that's all happening. And then Be'er is a well. We know that the rock that traveled with the children of Israel in the wilderness, which is Mashiach, is a Be'er miriam the well of miriam so the rock of miriam mashiach was born from miriam okay uh then it says the bear uh, literally means the well of the living one who sees me on a push level the bottom basic level this place is where the malak adonai appeared to hagar the same Malach that appeared to zelponi Okay, the mother of Shimshon. So glad I get to say this word like a lot because we're going to know stuff that is not commonly taught. Because I've never known the ne- the mother of Shimshon, and that's like now we know it. Now we're just going to say it all the time. At least I am. Okay, anyway. The Targum says, and Yitzhak ascended and coming from the well. <laughs> like literally rose up. And it says, over which the angel of life, literally, Malach Kayama, which is the eternal angel, had appeared. This is Targaman Kalos, Ojiyankalos on 2413. Now you see why I call him Ojiyankalos, because he just takes his Hebrew text and just turns it up, and you're just like, wait, what? I did not know that was there. So Yitzhak comes from the will over which the eternal angel appeared so this is why there are angels at mashiach's tomb that say why are you looking for the dead among the living like he's not here that's because that's where he ascends from who brings forth the bread from the earth (sighs) okay then it says back to benny b On a deeper level, this refers to Gan Eden. The Midrashim tell us that Yitzhak spent three years in Gan Eden, learning the Torah, and that when Rivka saw him, he was glorified, a different being. The Nuremberg Haggadah says, Yitzhak returned glorified from Gan Eden, that God planted for our protection. When Rivka rode this camel, she saw... From a distance, this glorified man. Nuremberg Haggadah, Folio 31, 14. From Rashi, and his name is Rabbi Shlomo Yitzaki. Now, Moshe al Rabbi Moshe Al-Sheikh comments, The face of Yitzhak, radiating some of his holiness, might have frightened Rivka into falling off the camel she asked who is this man I wonder if she said me which would correspond to what the angel said you know about his name or Manoak asked the angel his name he says me shimka as opposed to Ma shimka okay and then it says she indicated that this must be a remarkable person So that's Al-Sheikh on uh, 2464, Bereshit. Then Rabbi Yeshayahu Horowitz, also known as the Shayla, says, Yitzhak was the spiritual equivalent of Adam before his sin, since he was the first person who was both conceived and born by parents who had sanctified themselves. The removal of Abraham's foreskin repaired the damage Adam had done by sinning and acquiring a klipa, which is a husk. This may well account for the fact that he was not allowed to leave the holy soil of Eretz Yisrael, Bereshit two. When Abraham was about to slaughter Yitzhak, the latter's soul flew away to be replaced later by a ruach hakodesh from the celestial regions it then follows that Yitok's life after the Akida was a life of a human being who had not originated from a drop of semen in other words miraculous birth which came from the well okay so we're born of the pierced place of mashiach so therefore we have to be born from above and that's a miraculous birth, okay. Yoken on three. Got to be born from above. That which is spirit is spirit, that which is flesh is flesh. Okay. We must view Yitzhak as someone reborn and a consequence of the experience. A totally new creature. So you are new creations in Mashiach Yeshua, Corinthians five. Are you kidding me right now? Stop it. Okay new creation cut and paste Just how does how does oh my goodness how does he know this the shayla man and of course this is shanae lukot habrit vaira volume one yeah. Slika. okay so we got god applied the strictest yardstick to him by letting him die subsequently infusing him with a new soul. He had also sanctified his body. From that time on, Yitzhak's body resembled that of Adam Harishon, also not the product of a drop of semen. Now we understand why the ram which Abraham sacrificed in place of Yitzhak was not the product of natural procreation i.e. through semen. So even the Akidah Ram, which, by the way, permutates uh, I yield to Eli or Elohai, which is my God, so my God, the Ram, not born of natural means, so Mashiach had to be born in a miraculous way because he's the Akida Ram. But anyway, it says, this Ram was created during the period of dusk on the sixth day of creation, as reported in Avot 5-6 okay yes i do uh reiterate i learned all this on shabbat it was 25 hours to get you some because you know uh i did a i got to do a verse with the shem's grace of uh key uh, by benny friedman and in the rap verse i talked about uh from the keeper to the Zit Zit, Besorah on the Feet Feet, Shomer Mitzvah every day and all week, especially on Shabbos for 25 hours, then back to the six days with them GYS praise. With the GYS praise. So, like, even on Shabbos for those 25 hours, still observing the Mitzvah, one of the mitzvah is studying Torah, and it just gets crazy on Shabbat. But anyway, so, there's that and um I mean I don't know what else do I got here so much I went over and we're at what do we got here Baba Vatra 91A oh um by the way Stav Soldat literally hit me with his metal arm on this talking about the nation's uh, un- crowned Abraham king of the world like, even over the nations. So, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that type of shadow is Avraham. And uh, in Baba Batra 91a, it's talking about Avraham because he's going through all of his tests, right? It says he was imprisoned for 10 years because he rejected idol worship that was accepted in his land. Then he was imprisoned for three years in the city of Kuta. And for seven years in Kadu. Okay, so let's add this up: ten plus three, thirteen, and then you got seven, which is twenty. Okay, so twenty years of imprisonment. Right. So then it says, "And robbed me of." Nehardea teaches the opposite that he was imprisoned seven years in Kuta and three years in Kardu. Either way, it's still that ten years on top of the 10 years of his home sit, homeland. Then it says, Rav Khizda said, the small passage of Kuta, this is Ur of the Chaldeans. Bereshit eleven thirty-one. So he came out of Ur Kasdim. that whole thing. And then it says, Rav Hanan Barrava says, that Rav says, on that day, when our father Abraham left the world, the leaders of the nations of the world stood in line in the manner of mourners and said, woe to the world that has lost its leader. Uh, yep. So there's that. Alrighty. So we were in the middle of talking about Abraham Avinu and his twenty years of imprisonment. Alright, so uh according to Vatra ninety one A So um I was doing uh that and talking about how the nations uh mourned him as the loss of a leader. Here's something else. And uh, Baba Batra, it says that uh, she is more precious than rubies, Proverbs 3.15. And it's funny because the uh says uh, far beyond pearls is her value. And so we talk about the Torah being precious, more precious than rubies. So pearls and rubies, Torah, wife, you know, Berkshim. All right. So it says that um, this verse, based on its etymological connection with the Hebrew word for the holy of holies, which is leif nai ve leif nim, is interpreted by the sages to mean that one who studies Torah is more precious than a Kohen Gadol who enters the innermost sanctum, i.e. the Holy of Holies. Still, this transgression of adultery will entrap him into the judgment of Gehenim, and the Torah he studied will not be able to save him. So, preceding that drop about studying Torah makes you more precious than the Kohen gadol talks about anyone who studies torah but engages in sexual immorality with an adulteress, even if you study torah even if you're more precious than a high priest you still will be entrapped in the judgment of gehenna and the torah you study will not be able to save you that's kind of heavy um Because we get all excited about being more precious than a coing adult, and how even a proselyte can be considered on that level—you know, one who converts—but it's like, don't think that that just gives you this carte blanche permission to do everything and anything. You still need to be uh, a person who is shomer mitzvot and not a person who is given over to the desires of the Yetzirah and. Uh, just profuse with your sinning because I mean it doesn't matter who you are like respecter of no persons I mean anyway that's just intense here we go rabbi same tractate rabbi yohanan says in the name of rabbi shimeon ben yohai any person who has arrogance within him is considered as if he were an idol worshiper as it is written here, everyone that is proud in his heart is an abomination to Adonai. Mishle 16.5 As it is written there concerning the destruction of idols, and you shall not bring an abomination into your house. Okay, let's not be holy and let's not be sexual and moral. Okay. Came across that. Let's see here. Alright, so this whole thing with the 12 tribes, if I can go back to that for just a moment. Let's see, that should be in my little notes here. Nope, trying to get it to load up. Okay, so Bereshit 38 1. Now it came to pass at that time that Yehuda went away from his brothers and turned aside to a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. Let our master instruct us if ruin falls on the Shabbat and it is not known whether the Israelites are there or not, is it legitimate to clear away the rubble from them? over them uh, on Shabbat. Thus, our masters have taught us in Yoma 8-7. If a falling structure falls on someone on a Shabbat, and there is doubt whether he is there or not, doubt whether he is alive or dead, doubt whether he is a foreigner or Israelite, they shall clear away the rubble for his sake. If they find him alive, they shall clear away the rest of the rubble for his sake. But if he is dead, they shall leave him. So, obviously we've covered this about healing on the Shabbat, but here's another point to no funerals on Shabbat. Okay, funerals should be delayed until after the Shabbat. That's a heavy word. No, not not. There's not a lot of woohoo about that, but that's what the truth is. All right. So, here's uh, what Hawkeyeen, we do have a Shomer Hawkeye, and he, for some reason, thinks he's okay with carrying around a Zohar. But uh, he shoots pretty well, so that's good. So here's one of his uh, shots fired. Zohar 14 from Beha Avoteca. We learn that a soul, the soul, is a vessel of Hashem. And that God will not dwell in it until it is purged in the fire of Gevurah, yeah, so if you want Hashem to be dwelled or if you want Hashem to dwell in you, your soul has to be purified by Gevurah, which by the way is represented of Yitzhak, who is an Akida, so you have to have the Akida, and that's what purifies you again, battling from the pierced place, so back to that says also people are cleansed by the written Torah from the right hand that is referred to as water which is so funny because I just got through saying that the written Torah corresponds to blood because it's lev and it's like well actually it's also water so is it blood or is it water yes okay wow the completely wicked are purified in Gehenum, but those who study the oral Torah And the written Torah are purified through the Torah. So that was cool. Because, you know, we kosher dishes. And some dishes you have to uh, torch or you have to put scalding hot water on them and all this kind of stuff. And so as it is with our dishes, so it is with our soul. So may we be purified so that Gehinom is not a, a place that we need to land in to be purified. Gehenna, by the way, is hell. A lot of people think that Jews don't believe in hell. And that's kind of a problem because it's like MSU. So there's that. So don't be one of those people and just know that what hell is meant to do, the Torah does. So it's all about being in Hashem, being in his word and being purified. So you know, that's what we need to be aimed towards. We don't need to be wicked. We don't need to be ruled by our Yetzirah. Okay, so, Beruk This is from Agent Ahad. Okay, Agent 13, Jewish style. She has this source called celebrating the Jewish year. Passover, the Omer, Shavu'ot, Tishba'af. So she was talking about the counting of the Omer and the seven weeks, and the seventh week is Malkut. And I was telling her this whole thing about the uh, Sephirot and how if you look at Malkut, Malkut is the combination of all the Sephirot and being manifest in the lower world. So everything in the higher world coming into this world and so she's like, yeah, so that's also called kingdom. Okay, so seek first the kingdom of Hashemayim, which is what Yeshua says. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Okay, and all these things will be added to you. So in this source, it says that Malkut kingdom is also known as Shekinah. Continuing on, it says this is the feminine aspect of Hashem. The womb the vehicle of for all the sephirot to be implanted and combined, the agent of fertility between male and female aspects of Hashem, the imminent presence of God that each of us can experience. Then it says, To, to experience the presence of God, we must be conscious and accepting of these paradoxical ideas. We are in control, yet not in control. We are individuals, yet we are bound to others. We are self-assured, yet we are modestly doubtful. We are full of life, yet we die. This path leads to being open-hearted and down to earth. And she kind of finished this uh, elucidation with the fact that isn't it interesting that the final day of the Omer is Malkut Shev Malkut? Like, to the fullness of that uh, unification and paradox. And the day after is when we receive the Torah. So, Ruk If you're not there, then, you know, you haven't received the Torah because you have to be able to put these paradoxes together. Alright, so... Just making sure I didn't miss anything because, I mean, it was literally just so crazy to me about Parsha Naso that I did not want to let it go. All right, here we go. Sota 3B. It says, and Rav Hizda says, initially, before the Jewish people sinned, the divine presence resided with each and every one of them, as it is stated, for Hashem, your God, walks in the midst of your camp. That is Devarim 23.15. Once they sinned, the divine presence withdrew from them, as it is stated in that same verse, that he see no unseemly matter in you and turn away from you. Same verse teaching that when there is an unseemly matter among the Jewish people, the divine presence no longer resides among them. Rabbi Shamuel Bar-Namani says that Rabbi Yonatan says, anyone who fulfills one mitzvah in this world, that mitzvah precedes him and goes before him to Olam Haba, as it is stated, and your righteousness shall go before you the glory of Adonai shall be your reward. Yeshayahu fifty eight eight. Anyone who commits one transgression in this world, it shrouds him and goes before him to the day of judgment. As is stated, the paths of their way do wind; they go up into the waste and are lost. 6, six eighteen. And it says Rabbi Eliezer says the transgression is chained to him and accompanies him like a dog as it is stated concerning Yosef's refusal to commit adultery with the wife of Potiphar that he listened not to her to lie by her or to be with her bear 3910 which is understood to mean, if he would agree to lie with her in this world the result would be that he would have to be with her forever. Just as a transgression would accompany him to the Alam Haba. Okay, so um, be careful what you're attached to. And that's I'll finish with this. It says that in the legends of the Jews, 1-5, section 130 that there are six men who would be given a name by Hashem before their birth. We have Shemshon, we have Yishmael, we have Yitzhak, we have Moshe, we have Shlomo, and you guessed it, Mashiach. So you know, I wonder if any of the Mashiachs that are proclaimed as Mashiach today if their name was announced before they were born because I'm just saying that's kind of one of the things that has to happen but anyway um, Baruch Hashem that was a whole lot of information so hopefully that was a blessing to you I just wanted to share a few things that I learned nope I'm closing up before I close up here we go gotta share this yes that was a fake ending i just fake ended this okay so check this out so i'm minding my own business okay that was a lie i'm sorry i was not minding my own business but i was thinking about the pierce place and the Be'er hyla roy the well of the living water and um i was thinking about the piercing and like where do we see the piercing in Mashiach and like what's the Hebrew of that? Well thanks to the Delish Gospels the Basora accounts we can see the Hebrew text but you can also see the Hebrew text in the interlinear when you look up the uh, Septuagint and all that but here's the deal the word that I find for the piercing of Mashiach originally in first case precedent appears in Matthew Matityahu, 27, verse 49. Most English translations don't even have anything after uh, the... uh, Let's see, where is this verse at? Okay, I'm going to have to open up the text here. Okay, so... So I just took a picture of the Hebrew, but I want to give you what the verse says in English, because you're not gonna see it otherwise. And I know some people might take a shot at that and say, "See, this is why we don't, most Jews don't read the New Testament because it's flawed and all that kind of stuff." But get out of here with that. The Brit Hadashah is an overlay for the Torah so therefore if there are any gaps or holes you have the Torah there to support and fill in those spaces so there's that so here's what 2749 says in English the rest said wait let's see if Eliyahu comes to rescue him but if you go to see how quickly I can find this the interlinear of that verse. Check this out. So 27, 49. Let's see if Eliyahu comes to save him. Interlinear. And moreover, there's that word again, moreover, <laughs> having taken a spear and pierced out of him and having pierced of him the side and flowed water and blood okay other than that this verse is in yokanon uh 18 i believe let me go to this word here yes it's uh slika yokanon 1934 Soldiers pierced his side, and blood and water came out. Okay. But that is in Matthew originally, but not in the English. Okay, so this is why you got no Hebrew. So when you do all that, and put that together. The word is Vayidkar. It is pierced. let me zoom in for a second Okay, Vayidkar means to pierce now thinking about battling from the pierce place we see the word is Vayidkar when you look up Vayidkar you get Bami Bar 25.8 I did not have the Onkelos at that time so I have it now and I'm going to read it because you know I had to Tell me who the he of this verse is. He followed the Israelite man into the chamber and stabbed them both, and the Israelite man and the woman into her belly. Then the death was withheld from the Israelites. Those who died by the death were 24,000. Okay. Next verse. Then Adonai spoke with Moshe, saying, Pincus, ben Eliezer ben Aharon. The priest has turned my anger from the Israelites by being zealous for my sake among them. And I did not consume the Israelites in my jealousy. Therefore, tell him, behold, I decree for him my covenant of shalom. It shall be for him and his children after him a covenant of everlasting priesthood because he was zealous before his God and atoned for the Israelites. Let's work our way backwards. Atoned, va'yekapher. atoned to be taken as past tense, i.e. Phineas, Pincus, is rewarded for having atoned for the Israelites by means of his act. Or, future tense, he will atone for them in the future in his role as a priest. Sephorno understands it as both. Pincus, atoned for the Israelites meaning he saved them and also he will serve as priest one of whose function is to perform acts of atonement on behalf of his people lapid remez on this is that mashiach who is a Pincus, because Pincus is also said to be eliyahu and eliyahu is yokanon and yokanon is connected to mashiach because they're cousins through uh their mothers being sisters and then also um the transference of the mantle of Yokanan was transferred to Mashiach with the mikvah that Mashiach said we must fulfill our righteousness and therefore that combination of Yochanan and Mashiach is an act of salvation that is brought forth that is in the uh, present or the future tense of the atonement that is brought forth by Pincus from Parsha Pincus okay that was a whole lot at once okay so if we look at Pincus, when he follows the uh, the woman and the man into the camp, guess who he follows? I want to make sure I get this right. The two people are Kosby and Zimri. Cosby was the daughter of a Midianite and Zimri was a Shimeonite. They have a footnote on Cosby. Let's see what we got here. Cosby. What happened? Okay. It says, daughter of Zor, the daughter of King Balak. Wow. Because, by the way, Ruth is the great, great, great granddaughter of King Balak. So, I understand what this Shimeonite was trying to do, but it wasn't the right time, and that's not how you do it. So, this is problematic since the text states she was a Midianite, because Balak was a Moabite. But we learn Balak was actually not even a Moabite, because he was from a different uh, country, which I believe was Midian, but I could be wrong. But he was set up as the king, because that was his position that he chose to fight for. So then, we have the Shemianite, which would be Zimri. Zimri literally means my song. And then, kozbi appreciate your time and allowing me to do this, because Kozbi Bat-Zurr Wonder if they talk about her earlier here. Looking. Okay, Zimri, the chief of the tribe of Shimeon. He did some stuff. He shouldn't have done it. Okay. Why were the people weeping? They were praying says Ibn Ezra. They were saddened by Moshe's command to kill their guilty relatives. He's Kuni. They saw Zimri's flagrant offense with the Midianite woman. They Neither they nor Moshe knew how to react. Therefore, they cried in frustration. Babylonian Talmud, Sanhedrin 82a, and Rashi. According to the Talmud and Rashi, the letter Vav, which 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 we translated as while should be understood as then or afterwards so pink is acted okay just gonna go interlinear on this uh bummy bar Alright, Bombing Bar five six. Remember, we're talking about the Pierce Place. Night Woman. Kobane Israel. Okay. Let's go to Bombing Bar 25.15 because that's where Cozby is mentioned Cosby, from the word Kazav Kazav oh that's the word for lie like to be a liar where was this first used in bunny bar 2319 mm 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 Hashem is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> wow. That That's crazy. Okay, so that's Cosby. And then Get Zeeemri here. Cause when we put Cosby and Zemri together. faithful mm-hmm. okay, Zemri the son of zero. So, Zimri's name is from the word Zamar, And it means to make music in praise of Hashem. So, yeah. So, when you put the Shimeonite and the Midianite together it's basically singing to praise Hashem in a lie and that's what needed to be pierced and so if we think about the impurity that we were drawn near we were drawn near to rebelliousness and drawn to being wayward so Mashiach when he was put to death on a tree in our place because that's what should happen to us he became that rebellious son, even though he knew no sin, he knew no rebellion, and his death brought us atonement, just like Pincus brought atonement and shalom for the children of Israel. So here's where I'm going with this, because, okay, that's just crazy, but the action that Pincus does with spearing is called Dakar, which is the root of Vaidakar, because Vaidakar is in, they, they pierced. So Dakar means to pierce. So, because of this act of Pincus, this piercing act that caused the Vav in the Torah scroll for Parsha Pincus, namely in verse. Give him my covenant of Shalom. That's uh twenty-five twelve. Yeah, it's a broken valve in twenty-five twelve. And the word shalom, the very last word. So the word shalom has a valve in it that's pierced because of what Pincus did to the song that was a lie. Okay. So with that being said, I wanted to present. That the piercing in the side of Mashiach Yeshua, the holes in his hand and in his feet remain, just like the broken valve in the Torah, because of the act that was done that would bring us shalom eternally, that would bring us into a covenant of peace eternally, that would bring us into an everlasting priesthood eternally. So... As that valve stays there broken, which brought completion, as the holes in the body of Mashiach are there, that heals us of our waywardness. So may we stay far from the tents of lying and singing false praise to Hashem, and literally worship Him in spirit and truth, and not be wayward, not be rebellious, today to hear His voice and to... Walk in his ways. So that is the end, and um I pray that as we move into Beha Aloteka, that you are blessed and that you will literally be illuminated with the light of Messiah Yeshua with the seven fires of the spirit of Hashem, and that you will say, What do we know? What do we know? Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam, asher Natan lanu Torah Temet, veka ye olam na hu, Adonai, ha tora. Amen.